Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the sixth annual Mildly Pleased Awards with your hosts, Sean Lemmy, John Otney, and Colin Wesman. I accidentally scared the dog by. Oh, you sounded like a ghost. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to sound like Don Pardo. I want a podcast where like someone talks to ghosts and it's just a guy and then he pretends to do a ghost voice. <laughs> One friend. Maybe we'll see that in 2018 because there's going to be there's so much hope, right, guys? Uh, maybe I don't no, know. You're <laughs> Probably wrong. Not. There's no hope. Well, 2017 was a pretty good year, right? That was the worst <laughs> year maybe ever. At least in our lifetime. I mean, we didn't live through, like, World War Two or nothing, but, like, it's as bad as I remember. I still feel like 2016 was worse. I guess, because of, like, the shock of it. <laughs> just the downward spiral of it. Yeah, I was more prepared for And we were, we were kind of just, like, in the pit this whole year. <laughs> just yeah. down in the pit. Just digging, <laughs> digging ourselves a deeper grave. Yeah. Well, maybe this uh, podcast can cheer us up. What are we doing? What are, what are the Mildly Pleased Awards? The Mildly Pleased Awards are a celebration of the things that are mediocre and slightly <laughs> above mediocre. <laughs> They're satisfying, but not too satisfying. Yeah. Altogether pleasant. Like a warm pop. <laughs> yeah. I, like... Earlier today, we were contemplating just not doing this this year because it was such a just overwhelmingly shitty year. And uh, I mean, there were lots of good things, I guess, as far as pop culture. And but like, I don't know. As far as like movies and stuff, I feel like there was so much good stuff, which was, you know, a a nice treat in a world and a year filled with crap. But like. I guess it was a little harder to focus on the stuff that were just like, yeah, that was fine. Because it didn't really mean anything. <laughs> and it wasn't worth dwelling on. But that's what we're doing right now. I know? guess. <laughs> I feel like. How do you look at it? I feel like more than any other year, this is a year where this sort of stuff slips right through the cracks and gets forgotten about immediately. I mean, that's what I was saying. <laughs> like, like, even. <sighs> Like, dwelling on it seems like too generous a term. We're just going to bang this one out, right? Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Come up with anything <laughs> at all interesting to say about this stuff that really didn't matter. Yeah, I don't know. I'm usually more enthusiastic about it. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get there. I'll get there. No. Or maybe not. But our first category is video games, right? It is. Um, and so the, my first nominee for our mildly pleasing video game of the year was Animal Crossing Pocket Camp for phones. Mm-hmm. Because there hasn't been an Animal Crossing game in a real long time. And it was cool to have it back and have it on your phone. And the other Nintendo phone games have been fun. Um, and then you found out that there's just like not much to the game at all. Was there much more to the other Animal Crossing games? Like, I felt like filling your house meant more when they had, like, the Home Raiders Association. 
Yeah, I guess it's just like it just feels kind of shitty because you don't actually have a home in this one. You have a campsite. Yeah. So you like almost kind of feel homeless. Like there's not that much sense of pride in just like having a bunch of shit on your lawn. Also, like you had a whole town in the proper Animal Crossing games, yeah. and so you could take pride in doing things like going around and weeding the town and chopping down the trees you don't like, and planting stuff. Um, but this one doesn't have that. It's a, it's very much a um, oh Sisyphus, right? Sisyphean uh, experience where you're uh, um, you go and catch the same fish at the beach. You go and um, catch the same bugs on the island. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you shake the same trees for the same fruit, uh, and then you give them to your friends and. Then you do it again later that day, and again a little later that day, and then you repeat tomorrow, and then forever. And maybe, maybe it'll get patched out and become a better game. But uh, yeah, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp was a, initially just a fun return to a franchise that I enjoyed, and then ultimately it was a very boring time waster. Did they sneak any any like oh you have to pay for this one thing? Um, so what they do is when you build stuff, you can spend money to build it faster Mm. um and also you can spend money if you don't have the resources um to build it that way it's like get you this just sounds like life (laughs) um but it's also like like you're not like you you do you can go into debt to make your um like your camper like your rv bigger (laughs) that's a fun thing to do but (laughs) like that felt like such a big deal in the other Animal Crossing games because you were like literally making your house bigger. But in this one, you start with your campsite, and that's really what you want to decorate. Like, I didn't give a shit about putting a better bed in my RV. You know what I mean, Colin? Yeah, I didn't even like notice you could put shit in your RV until yeah, like see? pretty late in my experience playing the game. How long did you play this, Colin? Uh, I played it like a few weeks, but you know, it's just like you're just kind of bored like on your lunch break or something and you're just like oh I'll play a little animal crossing i guess do some chores real quick yeah <laughs> i definitely thought about it but by the time i was like okay maybe i'll play everyone was done with it lasted yeah. like a month yeah. didn't even last as long as that mario game it probably lasted about as long as that mario remember that mario game yeah. i like that mario game i, I didn't, didn't like it, it cuz you had to pay later yeah. it was just a one time deal though yeah, bullshit though. <laughs> I uh, to me that's the uh, that's the business model I prefer. A you can play the game for a little bit, and if you want to play the rest of the game, you pay money once versus like the death by a thousand needles of them trying to get you to spend a dollar every once in a while. I just feel like don't tease me with something that appears to be free. <laughs> I feel like it's a trick. Uh, I mean, I feel like. It, that that's fine. Like it's it's it was way easier for me to spend that money because I had already tried the game and knew I liked it versus the sight unseen purchase. That's true. Uh, anyway, speaking of Nintendo, uh, my next nominee was Arms, which was a uh, a Switch not quite launch title but launch window title. Oh, I don't know how big those windows are anymore. Maybe everything this year is technically launch window, since I'm guessing a lot of people didn't get their Switch until Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also kind of the the showcase for using the the controllers as like Wii remote controllers, um, because it's a fighting game 
where you control a character and when you punch with one hand the character punches um, and it's not just a straight up boxing game because the characters have weird bizarre mechanical arms that can reach out you know 30 feet or something to, to hit your opponent and um, I played most of this in the beta because um, that was a free beta that came out and I, I had a lot of fun with it so I bought the game um, and I tried to play with you guys and you, you, both of you were like immediately too tired to keep playing like you both lasted <laughs> oh, yeah. like one match yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, maybe you guys are just punching too hard. Or I think something. it's a combination of punching too hard, but also like I, I feel like I, I keep doing it wrong, and I keep trying to make adjustments, and I feel like I'm just like tweaking my arms in all these stupid directions to try to get them to do things. <laughs> I feel like an idiot. I don't feel like I'm really in control. Yeah, and maybe if you'd spent some more time with it, that that would have clicked. But also maybe they should have just made the game work with regular controls. I kind of look at ARMS as sort of the last hurrah for me at this like motion-style control thing. I'm so tired of those kind of games. I thought we got away from that with uh, Wii U, and then we're going back to that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. they And, and maybe they don't, because you know, Mario and Zelda didn't have really... Well, Zelda had some tilting, but Mario didn't really have any of that. You could shake the controller, but didn't really add much to the game. Did you ever get that? What was that game? That's like party time. One, two, three, or whatever. Oh yeah, one, two, switch. I think is what that did was. Did you called. get that? I did not get that. Oh, I wanted to hear how that was because I feel like that was the main game to show off the new controller. Yeah. So like, oh look, it's like holding a glass of water. That that was the game that was like obviously the one that should have come with a system for free, <laughs> but said it was an additional sixty dollar purchase. Oh, I remember I played that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember there was one where you like milk a cow. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of fun. And then they're just like, you know, quick draw cowboy ones. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the other ones were, though. I played a few. Mm -hmm. Isn't it, like, really repetitive? Yeah. You're probably, like, milking a duck. Yeah, I mean, I literally played it once. (laughs) Sounds like that's how you play it. Yeah. Is that how you play this next game, Sean? No, Mass Effect Andromeda (laughs) took me probably 60 hours to finish. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was just, like, a shorter game. Um, Well... It's an open world game, right? Mm. So it kind of takes as long as it's going to take, and has, as long as you're interested. Um, and my thing is, not only was I a fan of the like story content and the choices you got to make in the setting and the world of the first three Mass Effect games, but by Mass Effect three, I was also a big fan of the way that those games play. Like I liked the the combination of third person shooting with magical force powers. Uh, that they had and no other game has really gotten that right like Warframe kind of does but Warframe doesn't have the the same crease level of powers it just has swords and bows and arrows and stuff like that to go with the guns um so I I was into Mass Effect Andromeda and like I played a lot of the multiplayer too but there's no denying the fact that the, the, the game feels really rushed and there are just terrible animations in this game especially in the story cutscenes early on which is why so many people hated on andromeda um and i'm sure that they've patched a lot of that by now now that the game's been out for nine months um so it's probably a better experience and you can probably get it pretty cheap nowadays because the game bombed and as effectively killed the mass effect franchise um but the gameplay is fun and and really the only thing that holds this game back for me, the reason it wouldn't make my top 10 list, uh, the reason I think it belongs here, is that 
um, it loses like the the story starts out bad and somehow manages to still lose its momentum um, because the the whole I guess you should I should explain um, in Mass Effect three basically like the galaxy shut like depending on which ending you got either everybody in the galaxy died or like the galaxy shut down so like Those they both sound bad they, so like they couldn't do another like sequel to Mass Effect three so what they did is they said sometime around the time of Mass Effect two mm-hmm. these people who representative like all the main races in Mass Effect got together on this program to send a bunch of people into cryosleep and shoot them across into the Andromeda galaxy and it'd be like the first intergalactic expedition in the history of, of all these species um, so you'd think well this is like a whole new galaxy a bunch of new alien races a bunch of exciting new worlds and instead the game has only two new alien races they introduce uh, and you go to a bunch of planets, but it's just the same two. And th- the deal is one of those turns out to be like secretly the old robots that the w- other race made. So basically it's like one race throughout this entire galaxy. And that's just super disappointing. Like in a franchise, it's all about exploring and diplomacy. And, you know, it wants to be Star Trek, basically. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just a bummer that you just cut, get caught up in this one kind of stupid story. That's just what it's like. The universe isn't that diverse, John. <laughs> in real life, all there is are humans and Alf. That's the only kind of alien. Well, yeah. Sean, is Alf in your next game, Hearthstone? <laughs> there are some Yo! Alf alikes, but uh, what did you say? Like some some there's some creatures that kind of look like Alf. <laughs> okay, good. In, in the Warcraft canon. Um. So the reason I think Hearthstone has been on my top ten list the past few years, mm-hmm. and the reason I'm bumping it all the way down to here now, uh, is because it has become like the least welcoming game I can imagine. Because it's a um, it's a card collecting game, right? Um, but it's super expensive to collect the cards now, and they're they're actually making it harder this year. They uh, so what what they used to do is they release either. A new expansion with just packs of cards that you could buy or an expansion with like a story that you would play through the story and then you'd get all the cards from that expansion um so it was expensive uh and much more expensive than it should have been but it felt doable mm-hmm. but now they only are doing the ones where they just release card packs um and so what you do is you can pre-order like a set of those packs like 50 packs at the beginning of uh when the when they come out, uh, and that still just gets you a tiny sliver of all the cards uh, for that that release cycle. How much does fifty packs cost? Like fifty dollars. Fifty dollars? Yeah. Shit! How much money do you put into this game? Yeah. So in in twenty seventeen alone, I must have put like one hundred fifty dollars into into Hearthstone, and uh, and on top of like that bad business model change, um, these also these three expansions have been like really good and really fun. Um, but they also have done this. So they, they have, there's like a rarity to cards, mm-hmm. um, and the rarest tier of card are pretty hard to get. Um, like in 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 fifty packs, I probably would get like two or three of them. Um, and you have your and there are ways to craft them and make your own. Uh, and what they've done with these three last expansions is they've really emphasized class specific versions of those cards as the ones to get. So before, while it could be like there's one legendary rarity card you really want, 
Now there's like nine for each expansion, which for me has meant there's just some classes I did not play at all in Hearthstone in 2017 um, because I... Like, my policy is I'm willing to do that one pre-order because it's like a slight discount on 50 packs, but then I'm no, I don't buy any more packs than those. Um, and because I've been playing Hearthstone since, what, 2013, I still have, like, my whole base of cards to fall back on. Um, they take some of the cards out of standard play every year now, too. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my collection isn't usable. But I still do have like the core set of cards that I can rely on to build decks. Um, but like, if you guys started playing Hearthstone now, you wouldn't even have that. You you would just have the like the most basic cards and whatever they give you for starting now, which is not much. Is, is so I assume in this game you play other people online with your decks, right? Is, yep. So seeing that you've sunk one hundred fifty dollars into it, how do you fare against other people you play? Uh, for the December season, I was rank. 12 which puts me in like the top 25 percent of players okay um but it gets so much more competitive at that level that i couldn't i probably couldn't get raised myself much higher than that um because not only is it competitive it's also just you have to commit a ton of time to the game uh and i'm not willing to do that either God, that's so stressful <laughs> um but they've done so many like like if I if they just had a way to give me all those cards, this would be like my one of my top ten games of the year because they they've been three really fun expansions, and they did with this last expansion come out with a new single player mode where you don't need any cards to play it, but you also get basically nothing out of it. it like it's just for fun to play. Ugh. This is really enthralling, Colin. Yeah, I'm so excited. Colin's bored because he's secretly a Hearthstone master. <laughs> He's like Sean's such a noob. I know everything. Mm-hmm. You're just boring me. He has here. a blue eyes, white elf with the card. Uh, okay, I wanted to throw in a game too, so I threw in Hidden Folks, which is um, I think iOS. I play it on my my iPhone, and it's I'm gonna show Colin a picture. Sean's probably seen it. It looks like kind of like Where's Waldo. And it's got a very visually appealing style where you're like clicking around and you have like a list of things you need to find. And I liked all that, but something that like I guess people think is funny about this game but drove me insane <laughs> is that all the sound effects are done by just some guy doing stupid voices. Like, you know, you, you click, click on a bush, he goes, Whoosh. you know, you click on a car, he goes, honk, honk. And like I'm not, and like I'm just trying to click around. And I hear like, huh, and I just it's driving me insane. And plus, I'm playing on my shitty little phone, so it's hard not to click other stuff. Like it's cute, but I don't know. It's not that good. You know, it's it's pretty, okay. But that guy needs to shut the fuck up. <laughs> and that's hidden, folks. Uh, so it's pretty good to me. How long does it take to beat it? I so fast, <laughs> but I probably be like three, four stages. I mean, like it looks so good. I played it with the sound off for a while. Oh, there you go. I don't know how long it takes. I mean, it's probably not that long. I played most of my phone games with the sound off. <laughs> I don't think this would be a problem for me. Yeah, you'd probably enjoy it. It definitely would help if you played on a bigger phone though, or an iPad. I think iPad is probably the way you're supposed to play it. Uh, speaking of iPads and computers, let's go into viral videos. Oh, we have well, to pick a winner. Yeah, we have to pick a winner, Joe. Oh, we pick winners. Uh, the winner is, I don't know, Sean, is it Mass Effect? I think it's up to Sean. Yeah, it's probably Mass Effect. Yeah, see, it's Mass Effect. I knew what it was. <laughs> I forgot that there's a winner. 
All right, so next are the nominees for viral video of the year. <laughs> we only have two. It's a lean, yeah, it's a lean field this Why year. Why couldn't you come with more this year, guys? I didn't really try. Yeah. You I, just... I found the one that wins. Shot on the best one, so why keep going? And I don't I don't feel like I should say I found it. We all saw it. It was huge. Yeah. That's how you know it's the winner because we all just already knew it. It's Children Interrupt BBC News Interview. And uh, what's the guy being interviewed about, Sean? The guy's talking about uh, the relationship between the Koreas, I think, North and South Korea. Is he like the Korean consulate? Like what is his... Do we know what his position is? He's stationed somewhere over. Or, or maybe he's just an job. expert. Maybe he's just like a historian. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. And he's giving this interview. <laughs> and first, like, his daughter, like, parades into the room with a little, like, jig almost. And then, like, the son in one of those little baby bouncer things goes behind. And you see, like, the mom, like, struggling, like, to pull like the children out of the Kramer's room. Kramer's in through the door. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy is, like, he's, like, he's so distracted. He, like, yeah. He's, like, he definitely notices it. Like, this is on national television. And, like, his, his daughter, like, knocks all his books off his table that he's displayed. <laughs> and he's, like, pushing her away, but, like, still trying to give the interview. And he's not saying anything. Like, why would you close your door if you have little children running around? <laughs> it's, like, he, he must know that his... his his son is in the little baby pastor thing. I think I think the door I think the daughter opened the door. Oh really? Correctly. Yeah. She didn't lock it. She learned. <laughs> the uh, learning. That's so good. Well then there's the one part like where the mom gets the kids out of the door and then she's like on the ground, like grabs the doorknob and like out of total desperation and closes <laughs> the door. It's the best. Classic. We don't even need to really talk about the other one. I don't know. I like the other one a lot, too. The other one, it appears to be from some sort of show, but I have no idea where it's from. It's like they're talking to some camera crew's talking to some homeless guy with, like, there's a paramedic in the background. I think it's, yeah, it's a paramedic. And the homeless guy's like, uh, these guys are the best guys in town. If you don't, what was it? I don't remember. <laughs> I already forgot. You don't mess with them or something like that? Yeah. If you don't give them a hard time. Yeah. And the guy's like, oh, thank you, Richard. That's very kind of you. And he just turns and goes, Fuck you. <laughs> it just wanders away. Uh, I think it's really important to say. He goes, fuck you. And the, the same guy who said, that's a very nice thing, goes, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> this guy knew Richard's name, too, so they must have interacted before. <laughs> he knows what Richard's capable of. <laughs> uh, well, I guess the, the kids coming in the room. It's so good. Wins. It makes me happy in a mm. year where there's so much to not be happy about. Mm-hmm. Uh. So, and of course, the the thing with that offered the least to be happy about this year was uh, just you know events, the news, the news. First, we have Astros win the World Series. This is kind of this is kind of cool because like the Astros were uh, such a shitty team for so long, and it's nice to see like. Uh, you know the underdogs. I mean, not that they've been the underdogs the past couple of years, but to see these guys rise to the top and beat like a team like the Dodgers, who's like super fucking rich. They're basically Yankees 2.0. Also, it came after that hurricane. Yeah, that uh, was pretty inspirational. Yeah, you know, Houston needed that, but at the same time, like Astros, like we're Mariners fans. Astros in the same division. They always kick the Mariners' ass. Like. They turned it around so much. It seems like so much faster than the Mariners can. Yeah. It just well, it's the Mariners have 
been losers for 17 years. <laughs> it makes, 16 it, years makes it look more pathetic that the Mariners <laughs> haven't so won any World yeah, Series. Yeah, because we, we all were like, well, they're going to add the Astros to the division, and at least we won't be in last yeah, place we'll anymore. kick their ass. Kick their ass, some easy wins. But, of course, that's not the way the world will treat Mariners fans. You guys should just stop caring, like me. I mean, next year doesn't look that good. Yeah. This looks like a really great year to not be a Mariners fan. <laughs> Astros, they're still going to have like all their main guys. Angels got Otani, like so they may probably be a little better, and we're going to be the same. We're going to be like two games away from making the wild card. Just like take up knitting or something, <laughs> some sort of hobby. Uh, how about Doug Jones? <laughs> Barely beat a pedophile in the Alabama Senate race. So this is pretty amazing that Doug Jones beat uh, a guy in Alabama. But at the same time, this guy was a pedophile. It shouldn't have been that close. It makes me think about uh, that was that Mr. Belvedere sketch with Tom Hanks where they, like, at one point they're like going to vote, should we kill Mr. Belvedere? And like a bunch of people raise their hands and goes, no, no, it, sh- it shouldn't have been that close. <laughs> like it's ridiculous that it was this close. This this crazy pedophile riding in on with his, with his horse with his cowboy hat. It's, it's embarrassing. But it is like a nice victory at the same time. Yeah, he's not just a pedophile. He's a fully accused child molester. He's banned from malls. <laughs> and also, Donald Trump and Steve Bannon <laughs> endorsed him, which is nice to see that no one <laughs> respects those guys as much as they think people do. Uh, and of course, like the whole election was just a series of fuck-ups by the GOP. I mean, if you remember, Roy Moore was not supposed to be the nominee. They had, they had picked Luther Strange uh-huh. to be... The nominee, and that's who Trump originally endorsed. Although, yeah. according to Steve Bannon, he only did that because like he had to do that. He was really a Roy Moore supporter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what a load of shit. <laughs> and 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 of course, Doug Jones only wins because of like miraculous efforts, especially by uh, women of color in Alabama to uh, mobilize uh, the voting populace. Um. Yeah, no, it shouldn't have been hard. It should have been an easy decision for everyone to make. White men are bad. <laughs> they vote for bad people. Apparently white least, women aren't far behind. That's also true. Uh, Alabama, what are you doing? Let's talk about Envelope Gate at the Oscars. I didn't know that's what it was called until before we started doing this. I didn't know it had a name. This is my favorite news story of the year. So this was at the last Academy Awards final award of the night, best picture. Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty go up to the podium. And uh, you, Warren Beatty opens the envelope, is visibly confused, <laughs> hands you know, it to Faye Dunaway. <laughs> and she goes, La La Land. And it's like, oh, yeah, La La Land won. Yeah. And then, like, that producer guy, like, looks at the envelope and, you know, uh, Moonlight, you won. You won. And everyone's at home watching, like, oh, what are you doing? Like, like you're trying to be like, oh, man, you guys are the real winners. <laughs> but no, they literally were the real winners. That's what it said. I mean, that guy definitely had a you were the real winners vibe. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely did. <laughs> Which was nice, too, because, he, you know, he gave it over. You know, quite handily. And if he had not said anything, and... would anyone have? I don't said know. Anything? That's well. You could see there. There were definitely people walking around in the background. <laughs> yeah, like, like no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. there's a guy who walks up the bike. He's like, "Yeah, thanks. 
Uh, we lost, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it is crazy. Like they, they, you know, you see the audience and like the rocks, like what? Like, and I heard the rock later is like, I was gonna go up there and kick someone's ass if they, you know, cause they were gonna ruin the Oscars. But no, they were they were correcting it. And it was sad because at first Warren Beatty got a lot of flack. He's like, oh, it's some sort of inside job. He's working with the with Hollywood to make La La Land win. But he was just confused. He had a card that said Emma Stone La La Land on it and didn't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. that was that's the weird thing in retrospect because um, like he looks confused, but Faye Dunaway's like, what are you doing? Of course it says La La Land. <laughs> like, why is Faye Dunaway so confident about this card? That's one of the great mysteries of Hollywood <laughs> that we'll never know. Now, here's something that I find interesting. They're bringing Jimmy Kimmel back to host the Oscars oh, again. Oh, fuck. So, are they going to get Warren Beatty to do it again? Or are they going to have him do a lower stakes award earlier in the night and do and joke about it? What do you guys think? I mean, they're definitely going to do some huge, drawn-out joke about it. But here's the thing. Is Warren Beatty in the mood? Because he seemed pretty annoyed by that experience. He was not in a good place. He's not like, oh, <laughs> he was pissed because he's embarrassed on national television. Mm. Everyone thinks it's a stupid old man mistake. You know, anyone could have made that mistake. I feel bad for him too because Warren Beatty isn't super relevant to a lot of like people today. <laughs> so it's like, oh, it's Warren Beatty, the guy who fucked up reading the envelope. So that's he needs the redemption. You know, he had to joke about this. Like, remember when John Travolta did that lame. <laughs> thing for mispronouncing I can't even remember her name now I'll pull the same thing Adele Dazeem <laughs> that's what he, yeah, Idina Menzel and he said Adele Dazeem and then he came back the next year and they joked about it but it was creepy uh, so let's he's just creepy. Creepy. <laughs> creepy. so let's do that but not creepy redemption uh, but but it was crazy because like when's the last time anyone was that invested in something that happened to the Oscars? Never, never, it's never happened. It was all over like the news, and I you know I was at work the next day just checking my phone, reading up all about it. It's so great good. conspiracy. Made it made a fun night, mm-hmm. and good for Moonlight. It's a good movie. I'm glad it won. Ew. Stop yawning into I'm the microphone, so call. Tired to listen to you talk about video games. <laughs> <laughs> It's a tiring year. Okay, so something that was mildly pleasing for me, but like the greatest one of Sean's life, apparently, was the solar eclipse, which happened in, I don't know, early September, late August. Late August. And uh, for me, it was just uh, driving to work, parking in the parking garage, coming out into the light, and I was like, oh, it feels like late afternoon <laughs> instead of 10 a.m., well, that's kind of interesting. And then I found one of my coworkers just stared up at it, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, this is kind of cool, I guess." Do you have any glasses? I did have glasses. Nice. Um, and I could see the ring going around the black circle. I was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, okay." Did you try to take a photo through your glasses, or see other people trying to do it? No, I took a photo with my phone though. And it just looks like a photo of the sun, basically. <laughs> I definitely, like, me and a bunch of other people are trying to do it. It looks like shit. Yeah. But yeah, your experience is exactly like mine. Sean, let's hear about your experience. So we went camping um, in the zone of totality, which is um, where... Zod the- was transported to at the end of <laughs> Superman. <laughs> <laughs> so we're very fortunate on planet Earth at exactly this point in time that... The, our moon is the right size and distance away that it that it can in these eclipse situations totally block the sun 
That's a very rare phenomenon uh, in the universe. And um, how much of that you can see from the Earth depends on where you are when the eclipse is happening. And so there is this very thin area, they call it the zone of totality, where the moon is literally going to be right in front of the sun for about five minutes, maybe less than that, probably less than that. Um, and so we drove to deep southern eastern Oregon uh, to a campground where basically no one was, which was amazing because it sounds like there were some huge traffic jams and just terrible situations in Oregon because a lot of people from throughout the world came to Oregon for this eclipse because Oregon in August is a very clear, uh, has a lot of clear skies. Mm -hmm. It was a very, very low likelihood you would be rained out on that eclipse. And so what happens when you're in the zone of totality and the eclipse happens um, is you get to watch uh, what's called the corona effect, uh, where all of a sudden it goes from being this ball in front of the sun into this black orb in the sky with this amazing colorful circle just exploding out into the sky. And the, and the whole world turns this deep shade of blue. Um, there are these crazy shadows on the ground that look like waves because you're seeing light bouncing off the atmosphere in shadows. Uh, it gets crazy cold. I mean, Southeast Oregon in late August is fucking hot. It was like a hundred degrees and it probably was like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to guess cause I sound like an idiot, but it got cold. Um, and you know, we were there with a bunch of equipment so we could watch the whole eclipse happen. You could see, you know, it's like Pac-Man opening his mouth, watching, you know, the moon come and go. But that that five minutes was, like, let me be clear, that those five minutes were totally worth two days of driving and one boring-ass day of camping in bumfuck nowhere, Oregon. Uh, it was amazing, and I'm, I'm never going to forget it. And... Like, I totally understand why everyone else who's ever experienced this is like, I need to see it again. Because it's so cool and it's so short. It sounds like there's going to be one in 2024, but at least for us Washingtonians, it's not going to be. You'll have to do a little, little bit more traveling. Yes, yeah, it's, it's in the south. It looks like, yeah, Texas, and then it kind of cuts up through, like, Arkansas and then, like, like Ohio. <laughs> so get ready for that Ohio trip, guys, in 2024. You'd see the birthplace of Drew Carey. It's a farm. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. If it's still around by then. <laughs> oh no, that'll be turned into some sort of war fortress. <laughs> uh, Alright. Uh, last one is the Unicorn Frappuccino, which they had on the menu at Starbucks for like a week, and I didn't have one because it looted me like real unicorns. It was hilarious because you had this crazy looking purple drink with like blue swirls and everyone had to get it. And then every single person that I talked to who had one was like, it is fucking disgusting. <laughs> I don't even like know what flavor it is. Birthday cake vomit. Is it birthday cake flavor? Let's see. Was there even any actual coffee in it? <laughs> I don't think so because I feel like kids are really into Was it, it there for a know. specific occasion? I d I'm confused. No. Well, I think that was the thing. It's like a unicorn. You can't. They're making an occasion. So They're making a reason so to hard come. to capture it. 
I'm curious, John, uh, as a connoisseur of these things, how did it compare to some of the other fast food events of the year? I know Szechuan sauce was probably the big one. I mean, I feel like I missed out on all of them. People are getting way too crazy about these things in the age of social media. <laughs> this one seemed like a little more tame, so I'm into this one. Like, you had you had a good stretch of time to get one. And Nobody, like, freaked out about it. You could it. get it at a lot of... You get it at almost every Starbucks. And I'm reading about it, and it's nothing, like, too insane. It's just, a, it's just like, five different kinds of syrup. It's, like, mango <laughs> syrup, classic syrup, vanilla syrup, frappuccino syrup, white chocolate mocha sauce, and fairy powders, which are a mixture of sugar and food colorings. Sounds like a good snack. Was it layered, or was it all that blended together? Um, it's kind of layered. I'll show you a picture. It's uh, it just looks like a rainbow in a cup. Oh, it looks like a Coldplay <laughs> music video. <laughs> it does look like a cup. Whatever that means, you know, like from Milo's Xylitone. <laughs> Milo's. Yeah, a recent Coldplay music video, <laughs> or like that. Other God, you know, I wouldn't be surprised album. if Coldplay came out with like their own frappuccino <laughs> right now. They're they're at about that point in their career. Ooh, what would they call it? Like the cold cup. <laughs> It's terrible. Cold the cup. Cold something. Every coffee be... cup is a waterfall. Yeah, there you go. Just use a song, you know? There's lots of songs to pick from. The Scientist, Yellow, take your pick. Yeah, the Coldplay Yellow drink. <laughs> yellow. But no, I like it to be in a like old rainbow and crazy. Yeah. And it tastes disappointing. <laughs> okay, so what wins? These are all very different. Uh, for me, it's... Envelope Gate and Solar Eclipse were amazing, so not those. Yeah. Astros win the World Series is depressing. I don't care about Unicorn Forever. Yeah, I think, I think so it's Doug Jones. Doug Jones. Because like it's 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 like a step in the right direction, but it, it also reminds you that there's still so much work, and it's going to be really difficult. What a terrible cost. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 get things a little more mellow. Let's talk about TV. Sean, the Defenders was on. Everyone was so excited for the Defenders. Yeah, so I nominated the Defenders. Um, I mean, you're right, because you think back to late 2016, uh, Jessica Jones was great. Daredevil Season 2, pretty good. I know I liked it more than other people, Mm -hmm. because I'm more forgiving of ninjas. Um, (laughs) That needed to be said. Just the presence of ninjas? Would you forgive a ninja if he attacked you? (laughs) Hey, man, come on. Let's have a unicorn frappuccino. <laughs> Luke Cage was good, too. I like that. Uh, uh, then this year starts. Um, they say Sigourney Weaver's going to be the villain of the Defenders. Mm. That's great. Cast photos look fun. <laughs> and then Iron Fist comes out early in the year. Um, and it's such an, like, an easy opportunity, this show, because it's like... It's a comic based on like exploitation films and like Hong Kong uh, martial arts movies. Like unlike other comics, they like, literally have films and TV shows they can draw from as an inspiration, and it's just terrible. <laughs> Iron Fist was so bad um, because it sounds like they didn't have enough time to teach the main actor how to fight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's probably a famous scene you guys might have seen where they there's a very brief fight in like a closet between Iron Fist and just one guy, but there's like a hundred cuts in this like one minute fight scene because like every single blow, every single move has to be a separate shot because he just couldn't do it. Sounds exciting. I don't know what you're talking about. 
like google it and everything's like how not to edit a scene a magical <laughs> um as an iron fist he's just an annoying character and it's, it's a bad story uh it got better but it took me forever to watch iron fist and then the people who made iron fist were the ones who were put in charge of making the defenders so it followed very much in its footsteps um at least it had enough time to have uh, Jessica Jones like be the one to make fun of Iron Fist a lot, which is good. And they kind of made Iron Fist a more likable character. Um, and there are some good scenes in The Defenders, but it's a very unsatisfying conclusion to what was built up as like Netflix's big event show, uh, at least a few years ago when like Netflix wasn't just a thing on its own, you know, it was... We have House of Cards and Orange is the New Black, and then we're going to have this Marvel thing, and that was a big deal, at least to me. Uh, but in the end, it didn't really matter for Netflix because they were too busy making Bright to care about the Defenders by the time it came out. Who was in charge of Defenders? I don't, I don't remember their names. Like I said, it was the guys who did Iron Fist. It was the, so yeah, I missed that. It was the Iron Fist guys. Wow, so it's funny that they were given the reins, yeah, considering they dropped the ball on their show. Like, and the Daredevil guys, I know, I guess they're making Star Trek or something now. Or Pacific Rim, Pacific right? Pacific Rim, yeah. Uh, but you know they had they had successfully added the Punisher to the second season of Daredevil, so like they could juggle multiple superheroes. Seems like they had some better options. And I just watched that Iron Fist scene, and it's funny. Like you, you, you feel like they edited it so many times because the fight just seems so slow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're really taking their time making sure they got the moves. They, so, so Iron Fist thing, right? What puts him over the top is that he can like put a bunch of like chakra or chi or whatever mm-hmm. into his hands and they, like glow and he can punch through walls and he could like knock out the hulk if he needed to yeah and instead they just use it like very very sparingly like most fights he won't use the iron fist he only uses it on one hand instead of both for no reason because it's not called iron fist it's too confusing <laughs> i'm a netflix viewer <laughs> And he just punches through the occasional wall or whatever. It's it's bullshit. They're, they're the least powerful superheroes as a group. I don't understand why. It seems like Luke Cage should be insanely powerful. And uh, Jessica Jones, too. She's just, she's just like a detective, basically. The question, though, that we all want to know, Sean, could Defenders beat Mystery Men? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the answer I wanted, but it's the answer I got. Broad City, guys. What's up? We like Broad City. How? What happened? What happened? What happened? Did it run out of steam? It's hard to say, really. <laughs> it just seems to lost. It's like it's lost a little of the magic. I can't. Yeah. I think. I mean, Sean, we talked about this earlier. One thing is, it seems so like Trump focused. Like it's almost just too distracting. Like it's funny, but at the same time, it takes up so at least a couple episodes so much of the show. I don't know if it really had anything insightful to say about the Trump era. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of unfocused anger, I guess. I don't know. It's just run out of steam. They just, just run its course and they can go off and do their own projects. I know Abby's going to be on that new Matt Groening fantasy show. Alana, she's an emoji movie. I'm sure other good projects will come. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, just, I remember this was when we watched together and we didn't even finish the season. No, we watched like four episodes. There's that interest. animated episode and it's way too experimental. It's just boring. 
Yeah. I don't know. It seems like I don't know if they're running ideas. I guess the the addition of RuPaul was kind of funny, but then like RuPaul's like a recurring character for some reason. I don't know what it was, but I, I they just they seem to be less likable this year for some reason. Like especially there's one episode where Alana just seemed to be like bad, like a bad person to me. Um like where they where they go to that party and she's just like she's being a jerk. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. She's not fun anymore. Do you think you think you guys would make an effort to finish it? No, no. <laughs> it seems like there's always something else to watch. Yeah. <laughs> it is hard, like in this age of great television, to watch something that's just okay. Speaking of okay, Saturday Night Live, guys. Last time I checked on Rotten Tomatoes, it had a zero percent. Wow. <laughs> seems a little low. Yeah, I mean, we'll like, check that. The end of last year, SNL got kind of hot because it was it was doing a pretty good job of responding to the election madness like that one dave Chappelle episode after the election was like probably one of the best episodes of snl ever and then like this year yeah it just kind of faded into like blah this this entire year very slowly I think one thing is like the Donald Trump thing was funny when it's like, oh, what if that guy's president? And now that he is president, it's not funny because like it's too real. I feel like a, a while ago, Alec Baldwin's like, I don't want to keep doing this after a while because it's just gonna get depressing. Well, I, yeah, he was talking about like it's it's hard to do an impression when it's someone you don't like. Like he, like even most of the people he does impressions of, like, there's some part of him that like he likes something about that person, but he doesn't like anything about Donald Trump. But he keeps doing it, which is weird. And it's like you'll have such a rough week with like Donald Trump news, and then you'll watch it, and you, then you have to laugh at it. I don't know. It's, 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 I just feel like they're going about it wrong. That other Donald Trump show, why does that one work? The one on Comedy Central. Well, I feel like that one, uh, the President Show, makes much more of an attempt to get like into the Trump mindset, and and so it, it, it's more free to just create situations. Mm-hmm. Like he'll. he'll he does episodes where he's just like he's walking around the streets of New York meeting people uh, and because they're so locked in on what Trump is they're able to make that funny without responding specifically to just the news of the week which is all SNL can do because Alec Baldwin's impression of Donald Trump is so you know skin deep it's it's not he he ran out of steam I don't know why he's still out there doing it I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just everybody expects him to do. It. I don't know. <laughs> like I thought. I thought trapped with the. They repeated the hallelujah, the hallelujah thing for the end of this last season. Yeah, um, which is just bizarre to me. I'm was, not. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to feel during that. It was such a strange move. But I thought, well, okay, at least that's that, that's their way of signaling like this style of. Uh, Trump coverage is is over for us, and then they just went back to it, and that's why I thought like the first the the end of the last season, no, the first half of this year was still solid SNL, and at this point now it's like maybe I'll look up if there's one sketch everyone's talking about or like the weekend update bit, and that's it. I just don't care anymore. 
Would you say Weekend Update is one of the highlights in it? Because we have it in this category, not just because it's bad. There's probably a couple of good things about yeah, it. Yeah, which is so bizarre because a few years back, everyone would have said Weekend Update's the weakest part of the show. Yeah. But um, Michael Che and Colin Jost. And like Lauren Michaels has recognized this. They've made them, uh, he's made them the lead writers of SNL now. Um, they're they're on a kind of a hot streak. They found their their groove. Any good hosts this year? I liked Chance the Rapper. Now that I know he can act, that makes me happy. <laughs> He's got some movies coming out next year. Hmm. I can't remember any. Like Ryan Gosling, <laughs> boring. Larry David realizes just it was funny once when he did it. Yeah. I feel like most of this season has kind of just been people who've done it like three or four times, and they're just kind of there again. And it's, it's like also just kind of weird to see stuff like Scarlett Johansson join the Five Timers Club. Like, really? How do we already get to this point? <laughs> and like most of the Five Timers Club won't even show up. It's like, just because they're dead? Yeah. <laughs> like any of them are, are dead. dead. <laughs> they're dead inside. Yeah. That's what. <laughs> just like the people who created Trial and Error. Oh, I don't think so. That's a little. <laughs> I like Trial and Error. I finished it. I finished the season. Um, I didn't love it though, and I especially was comfortable putting this on here because I I realized I had a lot of comedy shows I really liked in 2017, and Trial and Error was just it was fine. They went straight for the like Parks and Rec, The Simpsons, like this is a kooky town. You're going to get to know everyone in it. Yeah. Thing. Um, which is why I think the next season will just be the same group of lawyers and prosecutors, but some some sort of other crime. There's for sure next season. Yeah. I've never heard anyone talk about it ever. <laughs> I've heard Sean talk about. It. <laughs> Have you seen it? No. I, I saw two episodes, and I, I John Lithgow was really good. John Lithgow's the highlight, and everyone else is okay. Um, <laughs> I really like the um, the actress playing the prosecutor. I can't think of her name, um, but just like a weird aside about her was that she's also plays a very similar like small town prosecutor in the movie American Made. <laughs> it's almost like they pulled her off the set of <laughs> Trial and Error, and, and like, okay, now you're doing a scene with Tom Cruise. That's weird. But yeah, it's not like. It's not must-see TV like some of the other shows yeah. we talk about. And especially with season two, we'll not have John Lithgow, um, which is kind of a shame. I don't know if anyone needs to pick this one up. But I don't think you'd like regret it if you want to put it on, on a sick day or something. Are you going to keep watching? I think I'll give it a shot. All right. Because that's all anybody could really ask for. Try on there. But, John, our last, no- our last nominee is um, from the smoldering crater that was CISO. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother, my brother, and me—the show. It had some good moments, and it had one really good episode, in my opinion. I really liked the Spider Parade episode. It was Tranchula Parade? Yeah, that one was excellent. Like, they're ranchos. Trying... That's what, I remember what they called ranchos. They're trying to call like Reginald Vell Johnson because they need a celebrity, <laughs> and they can't stop laughing. And there's funny moments, but so often the show just kind of seemed like. They're making it up like as they're going along. Mm-hmm. I remember they even did that episode where they're like talking to like high school kids, and the, they wanted the high school kids to give them some constructive criticism. And one of the guys was like, maybe this could have been like better planned. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> and it does. It did have that kind of. It was a little too loose. It, it needed some more structure because they're really funny guys. But I don't know. It was just. It was missing just something. But it had some 
pretty good gags here and there because those guys are just so darn likable. Yeah. That that episode you're talking about with the teens also introduces the clown box, clown which box. is one of the great. And also, what was the episode with, uh, what was it called? Like, Safety Town? Safety Town. (laughs) Where, like, Griffin, like, they have this, like, little, like, model town that you you use for police training. And they've each marked their territory. And Griffin's driving around in, like, this little car. (laughs) He's got, like, a paddle or something. And then, like, later, the guy's like, oh, you're not supposed to be driving (laughs) Yeah, they got so carried away with it, they got kicked out of Safety Town, it looked like. Which is great. Yeah. And maybe there will be another season because it's one of the few CISO shows that did get picked up oh. by uh, another network. But I don't know if it was just for to show that first season or to actually make a second what one. What network picked it up? Do you know? Verve. Oh, it is Verve. Okay. Yeah, they have shows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel so bad about... Because um, when CISO shut down was also when they wrapped production on Take My Wife season two. So they, there's just a completed season of Take My Wife that nobody can see because nobody's distributing it. That's so bizarre. I'm sure you find it somewhere. It'll be on the internet. That, and then Bajillion Dollar Properties was like my other favorite CISO show. That show's funny. And, no, and you can get the old seasons on iTunes, but I don't know. I don't, it doesn't look like there's going to be another one. It was just no one paying for it? Like no one just wanted it? No one, there was enough subscribers? Yeah, I don't know. It's too cheap? It's, I, I, in my head, I wonder, because there was such a surge of people signing up for the free trial when My Brother, My Brother and Me came out. I wonder if all those people cut off their subscription right after that. And then CISO's I like, did. we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> wow. They should have got like right into another season or something. That was their golden goose. Well, Maybe. They, 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 they tried. Uh, the next month, they started putting out deleted scenes and bloopers, which were pretty funny, but... I don't know if, like, I enjoyed that as a someone who had maintained their subscription, but it clearly wasn't enough to bring anyone back. Did you watch any of that stuff? I don't think I did. Yeah. Let's see. So, which is the most mildly pleasing TV show? What is, well, it seems like Saturday Night Live is yeah. <laughs> kind of a downer, guys. Defenders? Yeah. Let's do it. Defenders. It feels very 2017. I, it also feels very much like what people thought superhero stuff would be like at this point. Like if Marvel hadn't somehow continued to defy mm-hmm. everyone's expectations with their movies. So, it's okay. Let's talk about some okay albums, guys. Arcade Fire everything now. Because they've done everything now. <laughs> Where could they possibly go? I only listened to it once. I, I listened think. to it once as well, but I made it all the way through. Yeah, it was like fine. I, I don't know. I might have actually enjoyed it more than Reflector because it was a little dumb. Reflector felt like a chore. I feel like it did take me like not that fun. Yeah. Multiple sessions to finish. It's very long. It's also very like front heavy. Yeah. But yeah, everything now felt way more loose and fun. That title track is an excellent song. I love it so much. It's like ABBA or something. <laughs> it's so upbeat. I love it. Sean, you liked uh, this album, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there are people out there who should write songs for Arcade Fire. <laughs> I think they're at getting to that point now. Um, but it's fun. It's easy enough to listen to. You know, it's clearly not going on anyone's list of the year, so why not put it on this list? Was the general consensus that it was just bad, or did most people think it was okay? Because I, I actually never really looked into that. I don't know if you guys did. Did people? What? I think there were some people who really didn't like it. <laughs> and I feel like this was kind of the album where 
like there were no longer really that many critics willing to go to bat for Arcade Fire because I feel like there were some there was some support for Reflector even though I didn't particularly like it. But well, I, for me, it was like hearing those same songs recontextualized in her made Reflector seem like a better album mm-hmm. in retrospect, especially like the song Supersymmetry, which is really good. But you don't even get to enjoy it on the album because it has ten minutes of filler at the end of it because that's it has a secret track at the very end of the CD. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Also, I feel like I've heard enough Arcade Fire for the rest of my life because for some reason, for like almost a year in like 2013, that song We Exist was my alarm on my phone. So I wake up everyone to do 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 na 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 it started to drive me insane. So better than a guy going... So little hidden folks throwback for the people that have made it this far. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of uh, funny bucky sounds on this next album. Uh, yeah. Probably a lot of yes, right? It's another one I only listened to once. I did, that's more than I, I did. I just, like, I don't listen to that many mildly pleasing albums at this point. I usually try to focus on listening to stuff that i'll really like and you know i like you too i'll still go to bat for them but it's like am i gonna care about one of their new albums not really will i listen to it yeah sure once and only <laughs> once but uh, this one seemed like about the same as their last album really where they're just like kind of rocking sometimes doing their you know youtube thing but it's like no, nothing really new really but that's fine they're you too at least they didn't piss everyone off by putting this album on everyone's phones <laughs> yeah it really pissed me off assholes. <laughs> which I, I believe was a mildly pleased winner back oh in really that's 2014 or whatever that was do you think you two is just done making great albums or do you think they still have it within them to do another great album huh I don't know. I don't know if they're capable of doing like a late career, like a really stripped down, like acoustic album or something. I don't hmm. know. I feel like they are. I don't. I don't know if they can make another good, sort of anthemic stadium rock album again. I think they've kind of. Because I mean, even all that you can't leave behind is a like a pretty subdued album. Like, if they did something like that again, it's just, like, the first few tracks on it are kind of bigger pop songs. I remember really liking No Line on the Horizon. I mean, that was almost 10 years ago. But also, I feel like these last two albums were, like, taking No Line on the Horizon and then just doing it again, but with less ideas. (laughs) It's like, let's just keep making No Line on the Horizon. (laughs) And now it's like, no one gives a fuck. Yeah. Except for Rolling Stone. They probably had this like number two album of the year. Oh, yeah. Five out of five stars. Five out of five. Six out of five stars. <laughs> Is there a point where they lost it? Was it How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb? I don't know if that album was on. No, right. it was pissing everyone off by putting their, the album. It was that recently? I feel like that, was, that, like that was their undoing. Where just no no one's got any love for you 2 anymore. Because they give them free music. <laughs> I'm telling you, Bono's not looking great with the him showing up on the Panama Papers either. Oh, really? That's a bummer. How did I miss that? <laughs> Gahool. Yeah, he should probably keep a low profile, which is something he's never been able to do. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's very good 
at keeping a low profile for Daniel and Spoon. Hot thoughts. Just kind of came out. Yeah, it's fine. I yeah, I feel kind of weird putting this one on because I listen to it quite a bit. It's a, it's a pretty good Spoon album. I guess it just had the thing of like that last Spoon album I really loved and probably in part because it had been like four five years since the last Spoon album. It was just like so refreshing to have them back. And this one's just kind of like a I don't know, a companion piece to this one where they're kind of like doing more electronic dancey stuff, which is kind of cool, but I don't know. Just Spoon's usually kind of hard to get excited about because they're very consistent. This is the kind of band you get excited about like 10 years later. You're like, oh man, that was actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. It just kind of like, so low key, man. Like the National are now where like it's getting easy to take them for granted but like if they stopped like a few years later we'd be like man those guys were great yeah speaking of the nationals to go off on a tangent but i saw that one of their songs made on obama's 22 favorite songs oh, of 2017 yeah. i wonder if it's because they played at the white house at one time well they've yeah and i i know they did some campaigning for him or something it's just weird like to think of obama as a national fan yeah <laughs> on his moodier days <laughs> he's kind of shuffling around in his row listening to the national obama brooding in the darkness another man that's brooding in the darkness and sometimes kicking people in the head queens of the stone age with villains pretty by the numbers queens of the stone age release it did make my uh top 10 albums of the year pretty much just because i've only been a queens of the stone age fan for like f- four years so yeah. this is like for me like their second album they've ever made <laughs> so i could get why other people it's like it's just the same old shit but for me it still feels fresh because i haven't really done that deep dive through the discography you know it's basically this and the one with the vampires on the cover the O and a slash. What the hell oh, is that called? The like Clockwork, which is a great album. That one's even that one's even better than this. Well, I think most people would agree with that. But I like this one. It's got a lot of monster stuff in it. Yeah, no, it's a solid one. It's just kind of it's, it's a little more fun and rocking than that like Clockwork album, which I liked a lot because it was kind of slower and sort of introspective, which you don't usually expect from Queens of the Stone Age. And this one was like. It was almost kind of more like a mainstream rock album. I believe it was produced by Mark Ronson. Oh, really? I didn't even know yeah. that. <laughs> so it, it has a little bit more of a kind of polished vibe to it. I like. do notice the, it's not as riff. I mean, it has plenty of riffs, but not as memorable. Like when you had, you had God as a son on that last one. Yeah. And then you lead off single for this one. The way you used to do is just. <laughs> yeah. I was going to see how long you guys could let me do that. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> That's the whole song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another band that just just staying in there. <laughs> the Shins, Heartworms. I just put this on here today because I totally forgot that I listened and reviewed it on our blog. And I feel like I, I kind of just dissed it the whole time. I gave it three stars. I mean, it's like... I remember that review now because you're like, the album was so okay that it made you question whether the shins were ever any good in the first place. <laughs> I feel like I had some very specific complaints with the shins. One being like, they used too many chord changes. Like I was wondering, like if I went into like a bar and like like someone was or like anyone was gonna sing like the shins karaoke, could they do anything but new slang? Are the songs like they're good, but like 
they're like they're almost too complicated. I feel like they've kept up that tradition of like, let's change the chord on every other word, and I'll just go. I think it's pretty, but like, I don't know. It feels I'm just getting a little worn out, man. But there's some nice moments. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I you, you gotta give them this. It's only a Shin's album like every five years, so <laughs> the last one is pretty good in my memory. Yeah, now. it's usually a pretty welcome return. And the one two albums ago was really good. Mm-hmm. So, it's, but like, what year is that at this point? It's like 2007. <laughs> <laughs> Wincing the night away is an excellent album. Yeah, but yeah, that was like 11 years ago. Arms, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Gross title. Oh, what the fuck? Gross. Uh, it's like the skeleton <laughs> on the cover. Uh, is anyone in this band but James Mercer? I don't know. That's the other thing. Is I feel like it is just James Mercer, but it, he still pretends it's a band. Just like we're all pretending we like it. I'm just kidding. It's fine. It's fine. I kid. I kid because I care. He's a nice dude. I always think of the Zune when I think of the Shins. Was was wincing the night away? Wasn't that one song in Zune commercials? That's. I think that's why that I have one, that association. Uh, Phantom Limb, maybe. No. It was... Sleeping lessons, I think. Like the very first song on the album. An excellent song. That is a good yeah. album. <laughs> that is a good album. But yeah, fucking Zune, man. <laughs> Can we nominate the Zune for the Zune probably year. Some sort of a, I don't know what the award would be. Showed up in Guardians. Uh, maybe it should get a lifetime achievement award. <laughs> the Zune. Watch out, Vin Diesel. The Zune has joined the lifetime achievement. <laughs> category but first we have to award mildly pleased album i feel like arcade fire was a good choice um i don't know i like the idea of you two winning just because they went up four i think that's really <laughs> funny i think for that reason you two shouldn't win. it's just too funny because you also acknowledge that this one's worse than that one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oops yeah. all right fine. Oops. give it to arcade fire have they won before I feel like Reflector was at least nominated. That was pretty controversial, guys. A lot of people really like Reflector, except for us. We're just like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. So what do you want, guys? Let's go with Arcade Fire. All, All right. right. Uh, and let's move to the song category, keeping in the realm of music. I wanted to do a theme this year. Usually for this category, I, I select a bunch of pop songs. I'm like, yeah, this song is like a piece of shit, but it's actually like okay. <laughs> and th- uh, this year I did uh, like alternative pop, like bands that would probably be in the alternative category, like at like a music store or on iTunes. But then like it'll, you'll also see it in like a Honda commercial or something. So it's like it's not that alternative. It's pretty popular. Some of these videos have millions of views on YouTube. First is K-Flay with Blood in the Cut. I've heard this in commercials, uh, movies, uh, which is surprising because I didn't realize how much swearing is in it. <laughs> A lot of F-bombs. Uh, it's a good bass line, right, guys? Yeah, sure. I heard it once for the first time today. <laughs> it was in BoJack Horseman. Okay, I heard it <laughs> the <laughs> second <laughs> time. having some weird like today. flashback or dream. They keep playing that. <laughs> plays a couple times in the episode. Right. It's just such a good bass line, but the rest is like, yeah. She's like dark or something. There, I don't know. Yeah, blood in the cut. That sounds like pretty. Like when you cut, there's blood. That's fucked I would up. Hope so. <laughs> I don't so know. Cavely is. I don't know where she came from, but uh, space, space, because space is the place. 
right, and then uh, probably our most uh, famous song in this category this year is Portugal the Man's Feel It Still, uh, which sounds like it was written for Despicable Me or Pharrell. Like, you guys remember what Portugal Man used to be like, right? Or I mean, they're kind of one of those bands I always remember sort of hearing about. <laughs> well, you, Sean. <laughs> or, like, yeah, on I, the bill at music festivals that I thought about going to but yeah. didn't. I think Colin's right. I think, I'll, I think like, my indiest friends liked Portugal the Man yeah, like, I in, like, 2009. I never actually listened to them, but I, I always knew that name. <laughs> Well, I saw them at uh, a Sasquatch. I left after the first song because they didn't sound super good live. Mm -hmm. But, like, yeah, there was a pretty hip indie crowd. And now this song, like, I saw you guys this in the trailer, like, Peter Rabbit. And (laughs) it's like, it just, it just, it it doesn't sound like a song that anyone would want to write. It sounds like we need to make some money. (laughs) Let's do a a very predictable, like, kind of, I call it a spy progression. And then let's put in horns because like James Bond stuff. And then let's let's mention the eighties and the sixties because nostalgia and retro and it's cool. It just it feels like just selling out the song. But like eh, it kind of works. Like you know, at the same time, I feel like I'm tearing these songs down a little bit too much before I say what's actually good about them. Kind of, it's kind of catchy. It's got a very good like phone commercial vibe. It's it's pretty good in like thirty second bursts, like most of these songs. <laughs> Just like the next one, which is Sir Sly High. I heard this on the end. I heard this uh, at the end of Happy Death Day, classic film. You will hear it at the end of your life. <laughs> at the end of my life, you will be killed to this. That song. sucks. Uh, sorry, sorry to let you know that. It sucks because that line is feels good to be running with the devil. So you yeah. know where I'm going. <laughs> It was also played in the drug scene from the latest season of Riverdale, where they all take a fictional drug called Jingle Jangle, <laughs> and it's slow motion. And they're like, "Yeah, we're so high." <laughs> I feel like you're watching. I have no idea if this show's bad or not, John. <laughs> You'll find out. <laughs> it's gonna come up again, Sean, in a in a, probably a future podcast and posts. I'm gonna let you into my world with Riverdale, but first I'll just give you a taste by giving you. Sir Sly's high. <laughs> it's fostered people with an edge. Oh, yeah. I remember when we played it now because you said that then. <laughs> it's all connecting. Someone else who is... Like fostered the people with an edge. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. These days. <laughs> Weezer feels like summer. Uh, I feel like when we were going through all the songs, Colin, this is the one that you listen to the least of. Because <laughs> it sucked the most. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I would hate this if it was a different band that I didn't used to like a lot. I don't know. Maybe I would feel just as like apathetic towards it if it was by Sir Sly. <laughs> well said. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Weezer was this this cool um, the trailblazing band in the '90s, and what are they now? What is this? It's like. It's weird. It's like elect- it's kind of electronic, and it definitely seems like we're trying to make it the money. It's like, does anyone want to write this song? Though I don't know. I feel like a big part of it, and I think Rivers Cuomo is like insecure, because I remember like a handful of years ago when he said like, oh, he named some like, what are some of Weezer's best songs? And he named like a couple couple Pinkerton tracks, and he says, and Beverly Hills, of course, because mm-hmm. it was so successful. <laughs> and it's like I feel like he needs people to tell him, you're doing a good job, man. You're doing a good job. He needs that support because he's not sure. Which Weezer songs are good and which ones are bad. And this one, like, is very much in the middle of that. 
that struggle. So I didn't hear the album. I heard a couple other songs. Some of them were good. Some were bad. This one's in between. There's like a girl on a swing in outer space on the cover. I'm not sure that that works. <laughs> Pretty sure those rely on gravity. I'm not sure anything about Weezer works now. Sean, what about Rag and Bone Man? <laughs> Your addition to the list with Human. So this, let me let you into my world. This song was in every trailer for Mass Effect Andromeda to the point that I thought, oh, they got some shitty British artist to record a song for their game. And then it was in the fucking trailer for um, Into the Badlands. Oh, yeah. The AMC show. show. Uh, and then I saw it in the theater. It was in the trailer for Thank You for Your Service. Remember that film? Kind of, yeah. Um, and that's when I realized this is a real song. It's not just a <laughs> video game theme song. And it's like, it it's repetitive enough that it sticks with you after you hear it. But I don't actually really like it that much. It's like an emotional plea for this guy being human. Or only human. You know, he can't do it all. Did you look up that he was British, or did you just know that, or did you guess? I just assumed. He is. <laughs> like, you also, I think you said he was overweight, too. And I was like, yeah, cool. Yeah, here's the album cover, guys, if you want to see it. It's a fat man with an unattractive neck beard and tattoos. Yeah. He kind of looks like Action Bronson, but more sad. You know what's bullshit is you, there's no way you can make your character look like that in Mass Effect. Super <laughs> you fit. can't make Rag and Bone Man? The beards are so bad, and your characters are always so fit. Is it that is that thing where like you try to make them fat, but they're just kind of like a weird kind of buff? It's not even that. They don't even have like a body type thing. It's like it's got the one body. Well, two. You could be a, a boy or a girl. That's disappointing. Rag and Bone Man is disqualified. Fair enough. <laughs> no, the, the one, I don't care. The what is our mildly pleased award? I feel like to. if there's one song that represents his year, it's Portugal. The man's feel itself because it's just fucking everywhere. Okay. It's at baseball games. It's on the radio. It's in, you know, Peter Rabbit. <laughs> I guess. Peter Rabbit. I'm sure it'll be in the next Smurfs. Whatever they're going to do this. They're going to go to space. Meet space Smurfs. Ooh, this is a good idea. Start writing these down. Maybe if I keep up those kind of ideas, I will get a Lifetime Achievement Award. The Mildly Pleased Lifetime Achievement Award. We got some, some new faces, some familiar faces, all deserving of this honor. The nominees for Mildly Pleased Lifetime Achievement are Will Smith, Mark Wahlberg, Taylor Swift, Keanu Reeves, Vin Diesel, and The Zune. <laughs> Late addition to the Late list. Late addition to the list. Uh, let's try not to spend too much time on this. Will Smith. Uh, Bright came out. Um, I'm looking he... at his IMDb. That's the only thing he had this year. So well, he, I don't know. He had that bizarre, like, kind of Oscar drama movie from last. Like Oscar a, drama like, movie from last year that I feel like kind of spilled over into yeah. January. Do you guys ever like read into that movie? Collateral Beauty. Yeah. No. It's fucking insane. Is it? It's like. I can't even explain it. It's like I like I was trying to read about it. It's so confusing. I mean, even just the first sentence of the synopsis is confusing. <laughs> Retreating from life after a tragedy, a man questions the universe by writing to love, time, and death. So he writes to these abstract concepts, <laughs> but then some company that he used to work for 
hires people to be these concepts to keep up some sort of illusion. I, I don't know if they're trying to get money from him or something. There's also a subplot where he falls in love with a woman who he doesn't realize it was actually his wife, but he doesn't. He's totally blocked her out and forgotten that's his wife. <laughs> and but the crazy thing is these these people these like concepts of death and time. They're like Karen Knightley, Helen Mirren. I don't know who the third one is. Like they're these actors who are hired to play these these concepts. It turns out they actually are like magical gods. So someone some company hired magical gods to play magical gods. In this movie where Will Smith is crazy and doesn't remember his wife. Okay. And it's like, it's weird too when you think about, like, you hear all these stories about Will Smith being, like, kind of a weird guy in terms of his beliefs and just how he acts and his family, like, in real life. Mm-hmm. Like, they're kind of a weird family. And it certainly didn't help with the only movie him doing this year is that bizarre fantasy cop drama thing. Um, certainly not helping his case, but like, why did we ever like Will Smith? If we ever like, I've Will asked Smith? this question before. It's like he hasn't done in any good movies. <laughs> Men in Black is the only good movie he's done, and yet he's been a huge star for twenty years now. Yeah, I would also argue that Pursuit of Happiness is a good performance. I think Will Smith is very charming and funny, but he's very bad at picking projects. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't know that he has a lot of range. He kind of does the same thing yeah. pretty much all the time for like 20-something years. <laughs> he's pretty much still the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, <laughs> even when he's playing like Muhammad Ali or the Brain Doctor. That the Brain movie, Doctor? The Truth. Oh, concussion. Concussion. concussion! Damn it! Collateral beauty got me all thrown <laughs> Turns out that the concussions are actually magical beings. Wow. Uh, so, do you think Will Smith could do anything at this point in his career to make you think different of him? It doesn't seem like it. I, can't. I like he's all just has very pleasant talk show appearances. Like he's a fun guy. Maybe it's if he hosted just, a talk show. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, that's all people really like him for is just his charisma, not because he does movies that are good at all, <laughs> or he really gives like thoughtful performances. Yeah. I mean, did anyone want to see Focus? Remember that? Know. Yeah, <laughs> I remember it. But I didn't want to see it to answer his, both your his stupendous follow-up to Suicide Squad. Yeah. Because that was so much fun. Are they making another one of those? Uh, another Focus? Another Suicide Squad. Let's see. I feel like they are. I feel like they... Because it was a big hit. Confusing, right? Because they're doing like three different Joker movies. Is one of those Suicide Squad too? <laughs> it's not on Will Smith's Wikipedia page. Okay, so it's just talk. It's not. It's nothing concrete. Because it's a big hit, but everyone also hates it, so it probably wouldn't do as well. Yeah. It doesn't look like it. Though he is doing... <laughs> it lists both Bad Boys 4 and Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> That's two different projects? Yes, maybe it's not. It's funny because you think Bad Boys number 4 life, for life. I guess Bad Boys for Life would be the third one, though, because there isn't a Bad Boys 3 yet. Oh, and there then isn't. They would do Bad Boys 4. <laughs> They just really want to do Bad Boys 4. Why? Okay, that's a little odd. Yeah. Anyway, for me, I feel like it comes down to two people, and neither of them are Will Smith. I think Taylor Swift's got a good shot this year because I feel like by the time her next album comes out, we will hate Taylor Swift. It'll be official. The nation will hate her. 
and I think Vin Diesel is a very good candidate for this year since he's been nominated was, before. This was kind of the uh, the big year for the Vin Diesel franchise because we had Guardians, we had Fate of the Furious, uh, and we had Triple X: The Return of Xander Cage. Damn, yeah, that's a lot. I'm probably never going to get that many Vin Diesel movies <laughs> in a year again. No. <laughs> Gotta be getting around 50 years old. You think they're going to use his voice in Iron Giant? I mean, in, in Iron Giant's appearance in Ready Player One? I I would think that they have enough money to where they can make that happen, sure. He well, he like, doesn't have to do much. He just has like one line. <laughs> Superman. Yeah. Sure, why not? It's not worth the money, but yeah, they could probably do it. <laughs> I mean... None of Ready Player One's worth the money, I assume. <laughs> I can't wait to talk it's about that. It's just all podcast. blowing money on copyright. <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about that so hard. Um, yeah, sounds like then uh, Mark Wahlberg, Keanu Reeves get a pass. Zune gets a pass. It's not super relevant either, but I'm glad that it made its comeback in Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, I think Vin Diesel is an excellent choice. Um Cause, just because he had so many projects out, and I don't think he's ever going to do anything great at this point. Taylor Swift, um, I mean, she had that great album, 1989, a few years ago. I will say that is great. I don't think she'll probably ever do an album that good again, but I think she could, even though everybody hates her. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people hate her. A lot of people like I her think too. everybody's going to hate her by the next okay, album. Okay, I see. Everybody will hate her. Gotcha. But I think Vin, Vin Diesel is the friendly choice. It's like, we like you, buddy. You just, you know, you can only do so much. Mm-hmm. Are we going to watch Xander Cage, Sean? I saw they added it to, like, Amazon Prime. Yeah, I don't know. I do feel a little <laughs> wary about him because of that whole, like, feud, in quotation marks, with The Rock, where, you know, he's getting out there being like, you know, everybody owes me a lot because I paved the way for multiracial actors to make it in Hollywood. And he's just got, like, like a weird confidence about himself and his career that is, I don't think is deserved but Vin Diesel yeah it's, it's weird because it's not like a lot of his other projects outside of Fast and Furious do that well yeah like The Rock makes uh, San Andreas do well I, I went to go see him in Jumanji it was delightful he was fantastic <laughs> what's Vin Diesel adding to his movies he's just playing Dom and everything <laughs> yeah. so that's kind of weird that he thinks he's such hot shit well, but you know, pretty much everyone here thinks they're hot shit. Except no, no, maybe no. Keanu. Keanu Reeves just—he's the nicest guy. Yeah, he's not that he's hot shit. He's like, I'm a nice guy. <laughs> I'm just. Was there a particular reason he's even on the list? I I think I just threw it out there, and you guys were like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" I guess he had John Wick too this year, but he didn't have anything else. I don't yeah. think. In the Bad Batch so. and heavy makeup. I don't know how good a performance that is. The what? The Bad Batch. It's the uh, follow-up from the director of Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Okay. It's like people in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Jason Momoa plays a man called Miami Man. He's got, like, Miami written over his chest. And Keanu Reeves is, like, some sleazy millionaire guy in, like, weird... He looks like Tony Clifton. We all got together and watched the trailer once. It, it like, looks kind of funny, but it got pretty bad reviews. (laughs) All right, let's give it to Vin Diesel, then. Diesel. Diesel. Diesel time. Who, I guess, I'm surprised, is not nominated in our next category, which is Mildly Pleased Actor. We're starting things off with Ansel Elgort, Baby Driver. Um, Yeah, I mean, 
he's fine. He doesn't really have like, a lot of personality. Maybe he's not supposed to because he's like borderline autistic. So he's just kind of like just going along with everything, driving his car, listening to tunes. I kind of would have liked a younger actor with like a little bit more of a presence, even if like they don't have to say that much. Someone like a Jack O'Connell who like seems cool without doing anything. Like Ansel Elgort... Like he's he's a he's a decent actor, but he has that kind of like duh expression <laughs> all the time. Like that's maybe not super fair, but like <laughs> if he's like miscast, but I mean he was he was perfectly suitable, but I don't think he added anything extra. Yeah, I don't know if he was really asked to, but sure. I mean, it's still a pretty good movie. Yeah. So. And I want him to succeed. He's just not that cool. <laughs> Unlike Dave Franco, who's really cool, the disaster artist, right, guys? So cool. Another case of someone I think is miscast, so it's an uphill battle yeah. from the beginning. Dave Franco is the worst part of the disaster artist. <laughs> like, I, I've, I've talked about this before. I mean, part of it isn't necessarily his fault because, like, you read or hear that true story about Greg Sestero and Tommy Wiseau. And. Greg Sestero was kind of like everything Tommy wanted to be but couldn't be. He's this like James Dean type model guy. He's like this Brad Pitt type guy. And then you see him in the movie and they're like they're the same. And like he's like Dave Franco comes off as kind of pathetic and kind of naggy. He's not cool ever. So it's their relationship seemed a little different. It seemed kind of off because of that. Yeah. He just Dave Franco can't like again, he's just he's not really cool. He can't really seem cool. <laughs> I feel like I never really knew where he stood. Like once they started shooting the movie and the disaster artist, like he was a hard read for me. It was a lot of like he's like helping Tommy along, but then he also like believes that Tommy has a vision and like he thinks it'll be a good movie. But does he really? And why does he think that? He has a lot of nervous. I don't energy. know if that's a writing thing more though. From you know adapting a book written from a first person perspective where you know where they stand. I don't know. It's probably on him also. <laughs> but a little of both. Combination of things. Mm-hmm. But in a movie where, like, Paul Shear's given a good performance, <laughs> I think I expect more from our leading man, too. Yeah. What about our leading man in the Blade Runner 2049, Ryan Gosling? Ooh, that's an interesting question, because you have kind of the opposite reaction right like with specifically the character ryan gosling's playing it suits his style of acting of late Uh which is like the blank canvas kind of Mm -hmm. stare at stuff and absorb it guy um it's interesting yeah i don't think this is a bad performance i just put it in because it is kind of like ansel elgar where he's kind of just reacting to things (laughs) happening and he's kind of supposed to not really be a a, a very emotional guy because he's very cerebral. He's thinking about everything as it happens. Yeah. He just seems tired. So just get some <laughs> fucking sleep before you come to set. He, like he's all bleary eyed all the time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it, he's well suited for the part, but he like again, he doesn't like add anything extra. Well, like I think about Harrison Ford in the original Blade Runner. That like that character is written kind of almost as a blank slate, but Harrison Ford brings a natural like gruffness to everything he does. He's like he always seems kind of annoyed. He always seems kind of cranky. Ryan Gosling just seems kind of like, yeah, how's it going? What's going on over here? <laughs> yeah, it's like he's cool, and like, yeah, it's it. He certainly doesn't like do a bad job or anything. He just he doesn't 
add too much extra. Yeah, and in a movie that a lot of people complain is boring. Not myself. I mean, no, no way. Those, there are those people. I, I guess I can see where they're coming from when that they have this main character who just basically lets it all happen until the end of the movie. Off the top of your head, who who do you think else? Who could have been more interesting in this part? What if it was Jake Gyllenhaal? I think Jake Gyllenhaal would have been worse in the part. <laughs> <laughs> I think he might have. I'm just he probably fan, would have given him some weird tick, <laughs> or like he would have gotten like super skitty for it. <laughs> You would have like a beard, and he's always like picking at it. Yeah, eating the hair. <laughs> Maybe it's a tough part to. Yeah, Maybe he was the best. I feel like it's pretty good casting. <laughs> it's just not a very flashy role. <laughs> Unlike Logan Lucky, Channing Tatum, because mm-hmm. he's funny redneck. Yeah, it's pretty funny, right, guys? He's pretty funny. I don't know. He's just doing his regular Channing Tatum thing, just being a big goofball he's like a he's like a decent dad in this one that's kind of new territory for him then, then why then why is he on the list man? i don't know because i couldn't think of anything else <laughs> it's just an easy an easy slot to just put Channing tatum in there for Motley, please. he's been in here i a, think at least one other time he was definitely nominated <laughs> for the first magic bike i don't know if he won oh he i was, think he did actually well, he's also nominated for Foxcatcher. Yeah. This is his third nomination. <laughs> he's just too likable, though, to look, win this. Look at how he's yeah. grown up over those roles, though. Yeah. He went from, you know, this dancer to a wrestler whose career didn't work out to now he's a decent dad who can't hold down his job at the factory. He's a guy who, when he first started, I figured would be playing the same part his whole career. But he's tried different things, and maybe he doesn't always, like, knock it out of the park, but he gives it a go, and he's, like... Has fun, so like I have fun watching him. <laughs> More important question: He's been dragging his feet on making that Gambit movie. Do you think it just <laughs> falls apart now with the with Disney acquiring Fox? That's an interesting question. I think it's still somewhere out there in the ether. I think it will happen. That's the great bet of 2018. I'll I'll, I'll take that bet, John. I think right. Gambit I think, falls apart. I think Gambit happens. <laughs> uh, moving on to another ex buddy, we have James McAvoy in Split. It's funny. A lot of people thought this performance was really good. I thought it was kind of stupid. <laughs> Basically, Split's movie where James McAvoy is like a criminal. He kidnaps people. He kills people. Um, and he takes on these different personas. And some of them are just so fucking annoying to me. The worst one is like a, he's like a stupid little kid. He's like, I like to play Twains. It's just like, it's so fucking annoying. I, 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 again, like, I don't know that like he could have done much more because I think the, part, the character is just stupid to begin with. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, James McAvoy like definitely brings like a twerpiness to it too. Like he's he's putting a lot of energy in it. Like he's giving it a go, but he's just it just comes off as annoying sometimes. He has his moments. He's scary. There's like the final transformation in the movie is called The Beast, and there's definitely like some nice tension building up to that part of the movie. I guess the thing is like I I guess I'm split on some of the characters he plays. And then, you know, I like some of them and I don't like some of the other ones. How many are there? It's like there's like twenty or something. It's like okay. ridiculous. It's like way too many. I feel like the like on the poster, like original taglines, like he has twenty eight different personalities. So you like still one to be revealed. Eleven of them. You get a good sampling size. And of course, the girl who's been kidnapped, like she like befriends some of them. And okay, twenty four personalities. Okay. I'm not sure if that's how dissociative identity disorder works. 
Oh, of course, there's one that's like, I'm an old woman. (laughs) (laughs) I wear a necklace. (laughs) Miss Doubtfire, basically. Nice. Uh, But who comes out on top? I will will also just drop this in. J-Mac did give a pretty good performance in Atomic Blonde as a very confusing, like, is he a friend or enemy type character uh, in a movie that's all about who are my friends and who are my enemies. So... He can still be good. I didn't really like that performance. But, I think, okay, so Channing Tatum. I think we like him him too much. I think, I feel like we were more down on Dave Franco. Yeah, man. Because he dragged the movie down. Just calm down a bit. Try to be more cool. And you seemed kind of annoyed by James McAvoy overall. I feel like it's between Ryan Gosling or Ansel Elgort. Well, then I think it should be uh, Baby Driver because we were saying that Baby Driver could have used more charisma while we were saying Ryan Gosling's lack of charisma was kind of more appropriate for the role. Yeah, agreed. You got this one, Ansel. Let's move on to Mildly Please Actress. This is always a tough category, especially tough this year because there's a lot of great uh, roles for women. There's a lot of uh, high-grossing films that starred women, so that's awesome. Um, Mostly moms, though. So we're taking it to the young women this year. <laughs> Finally. All right. All right. Starting off things, we have Emma Watson and Beauty and the Beast. It's fine. <laughs> it's okay. I don't know if she adds much. She's an okay singer. I like Emma Watson, but... Do you believe her as a teenage girl who likes to read books and is smart? That is uh, weird. She's old now. Yeah, She's like I don't 30. know. I, I was saying that sarcastically. Honestly, that's I feel what like she, she does. It's, it's that's weird. her whole thing. So that's her Hermione. It's weird. I feel like she still feels too young. She's, like, is... she's like 12. Huh. Interesting. Forever 12. Wait a minute. Did you guys not like Hermione? She's okay. From the Harry Potters? What made you think we didn't like Hermione? Just what you guys just said. I just said she seems like she's always 12. That's not like a knock against her skill. She just seems so you young. guys like her mining? I just thought you were talking about her in this movie. Yeah, I like her mining. I just didn't see all the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, it's not a super interesting Sorry. character. It's not a super interesting performance. She's not really that funny in it. I don't know. I haven't seen her be super funny in anything yet. They didn't like... She's kind of funny in This is the End when she showed up. I guess. But that's for like a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, doesn't... Beauty and the Beast have, like, in retrospect, a disappointingly sexist story. They didn't change that at all. Um, what What do you mean? Which uh, aspect is, of the story are you referring to? It's the same story, so you're, you know. So they didn't change it? They didn't make it so she, like, fights someone with a sword at the end or anything? No, it's, and it's the same. It's literally the same movie, Sean. <laughs> literally, it has all the same songs, even. I, I don't know. I Except seen, now it has stupid Orlando Bloom guy. Seen, What's his name? Oh, has... Gaston. Luke Evans. Yeah. Thank God they kept the Gaston song, though. And, yeah. And Dan Stevens is Beast, and he's pretty forget. I don't feel like he's not technically in it, though. Remember when it seemed like this was the year of Dan Stevens? <laughs> I like, feel like it's the secret year of Dan Stevens. <laughs> it's like he's in a lot of things, but I don't feel like a lot of people really know who he is. There will be reverberations from the secret year of Dan Stevens we'll be seeing for years into the future. It's like Beauty and the Beast was a huge hit. Not once I ever hear anyone talk about Dan Stevens in it. Yeah, and like Legion was hyped up, but I feel like most people stopped watching it except for me. Colossal was cool, but nobody know nobody knows. I about totally that. forgot he was in that. So did I. 
What'd he do? He's, the, he's, he's uh, Anne Hathaway's original boyfriend. Ah, yes. Now I remember. It's that guy in the apartment hanging out. He's a pretty good actor, though. I think he'll yeah. he'll make his presence known <laughs> after the secret year of Dan Stevens. <laughs> uh, Charlize Theron, Atomic Blonde. I thought it was just kind of a stiff character. I don't know. I don't know if, if I if I buy Charlize Theron, Theron as this action star. I don't know. I know you like this movie, Sean. Just, just, it's I can not an action see... movie. What? It's not an action movie. I mean, she... She, I don't know. I feel like she carries it like an action star, though. I, I, I liked her. I thought she was really good at the like. She can blend in with a bunch of nationalities, and she's not trying to get fucked over by her government and her handlers and everyone she's working with. I just feel like she's stiff and boring, and it's never like fun or funny. I just feel like there's not there's not a lot of charisma for me in that performance. It's a very cold movie. It's a very cold. And she's movie. not. I just feel like I just need something to like add a little character to it. Yeah, I mean that's fair. I think that's just you wanted it to be a different movie than what it was. Yeah, Colin, your opinion? Oh, I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't have an opinion. You both seem to be make compelling arguments for yourselves. All right, well, this is way too controversial. Yeah, let's move on to Lily James and Baby Driver. Who is she? <laughs> She's the girl <laughs> from Baby Driver. Is that the um, the John Hamm girl or the no, Baby the, Driver the girl? The Baby Driver love interest. Yeah, who I mean at the, the diner. The biggest problem with Baby Driver is that he, like, he's almost out, and he like throws his life away, and she throws her life away, and everybody. I guess he gets caught. He doesn't really have a choice, but she chooses to throw her life away. Kind of because they had one flirty conversation. So good, though. And <laughs> I don't know. Is that is it her fault or his fault that that's just kind of hard to buy? I don't know. Wait, you're asking if it's her fault or whose fault? Baby drivers. Ansel Eggleman. That's her fault. Her fault? Yeah. It's her fault. It's also just like you know, young dumb kids in love making mistakes, except they have like really bad repercussions. Extremely dire consequences. <laughs> yeah. But uh, she's just you know, it's just a really nothing part. Maybe it's not the actress's fault, but uh, it's kind of surprising coming from Edgar Wright when most mm-hmm. of the characters feel pretty lively and fleshed out. I wonder what happened there. Dunno. I think she's supposed to come off as kind of like down home charming, but I don't know. It definitely like I could definitely tell like this isn't an American actor. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. So it just it felt inauthentic for me. But she was she was nice, I guess. Oh, it's okay. This is the mild please awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, controversial pick coming up: Gal Gadot Wonder Woman. I haven't seen Wonder Woman, but I thought everybody loved Wonder Woman. What's up? I love Wonder Woman. Like Wonder Woman was almost certainly going to be on my top ten movies of the year, but I feel like Gal Gadot is probably like Will Smith in the nineteen nineties, where like right now she's super charismatic and fun, everybody loves her. 
but maybe every project she's going to do from this point on will be bad. <laughs> but still, at this point, she's maybe done more good movies than Will Smith has done in his entire career. She's done Wonder Woman. She's done, like... Fast Five, multiple, Fast Six. Those are good Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. <laughs> what? Man, Will Smith. Like... You suck. I don't know. She absolutely can bring it when it comes to, like conveying this idea at the center of Wonder Woman that like she's a character who is invested in humanity and wants to save it even if she admits that's an unwinnable battle but it's also like everybody who's from the same auditor had to do an Israeli accent because she can't change her accent it's kind of like the Sean Connery thing where it's like Sean Connery can only play Scottish people <laughs> Even when it makes no sense. Even when he's playing like a Spanish pirate in Highlander. <laughs> we just all accept because like that's what they do. And I don't know. Like these are the mildly pleased awards. These aren't the bad performance awards, right? Like we're like Gal Gadot's not going to get an Academy Award nomination for Wonder Woman, but maybe she can win a mildly pleased award. <laughs> we're looking for a good performance. It was good. Mm-hmm. She looks believable in that hilarious multicolored armor that she wears in those movies. Like that alone is pretty hard to do. Like the movie seems very well tailored for her. It's just, you know. <laughs> and also, she, like I think the thing is going to this. We weren't even sure if Gal Gadot could really act because she never starred in a yeah. movie before, and she is very good under the circumstances of never having starred in a movie. And think about before. also Colin. She was cast by Zack Snyder for Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. Patty Jenkins didn't get to choose the star of her movie, yeah. and it still turned out good. Mm-hmm. What a fucking miracle! Yeah, good job, everybody. More uh, superheroes. Yeah. What's wrong with Zendaya? Nothing. It's just a very small role in a movie. <laughs> this is not a leading performance. We, but we don't have that requirement for our actors. I feel category. like it would have made more. S- no, I like that. Did we have that. another? I think feel like we had another nomination that we subbed out. Oh yeah, it was Catherine Watterson for Alien. Oh, but we felt bad for her because we nominated her last year. And she's a good actress. Yeah. She's just getting really boring roles that there's literally nothing to work with. Mm-hmm. It's like you're like kind of serious and kind of butch, I guess, a little bit. <laughs> She'll get her good role. Mm-hmm. I mean, she got a pretty good role in Inherent Vice. Mm-hmm. It's kind of where and and uh, Steve Jobs, yeah, very yeah, underrated movie, yeah. underrated performance. Uh, so yeah, clearly we didn't put much thought into this last one. Yeah, Zendaya just plays a comedic relief character who doesn't have a lot of scenes, but she's she nails those jokes. She's funny. She's a funny lady. All right, who's gonna win this one? <laughs> Probably Lily James. <laughs> it's gonna be another win for Baby Driver. All right. Now I feel like I gotta put Baby Driver on my top ten I just think... to make up for this. <laughs> I mean, it's a movie that's you know, it, it, its success is based on its style more than its performances, like I... by a mile. <laughs> What's the best performance in Baby Driver? John Hamm. Yeah, I think it might be. I'm not giving it to Kevin Spacey. Fuck that guy. (laughs) Yeah, I'll go John Hamm too. I mean, after the solid direction, editing, and music, yeah, I think. I'm surprised you guys aren't saying Jamie Foxx. I know I can't. I like Jamie Foxx, but I think think John Hamm is good in it. I think John Hamm is my favorite as well. 
Also, I like to see John Hamm succeeding in movies. <laughs> no, no one saw Million Dollar Arm, or it was called. <laughs> Piece of shit. No one wants to see that. <laughs> or that stupid My Neighbors are Secret Agents with him and Gal Gadot. With Gal Gadot. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. All right, the big one. The most mildly pleasing film of 2017. The first nominee, The Fate of the Furious. It's like the most forgettable movie. I keep forgetting I saw this movie. It really was. What even was that? Like April or? Yeah, it's April. Okay. Um, what do I remember? I remember the submarine. That was at the end. There's the part at the beginning where he's like street racing in Cuba, I want to say. Yeah, it was Cuba. And like his car catches now. on fire because he's driving it backwards. Yeah, but he still wins. Yeah. That's pretty good, I guess. It didn't seem quite as silly as some of the like is like Fast uh, Seven. There's also or the Furious park, Seven, the whatever parking it's called. garage thing where all those cars fell out of the parking garage. That was kind of cool. They were kind automated. Big, but good. it's kind of a frustrating scene because like the thrill of Fast and Furious is these the, these people doing the stunts, and yeah. and here it's just the spectacle of self-driving cars and that's that's to me the big disappointment of the fate of the furious is they do have this great action star as the villain this time along they have charlie's theron and instead they just put her in like huge baggy pants and stupid uh cornrows and just (laughs) made her be the like hacker queen of the world she's like hanging out in a spaceship the whole time yeah it's like the whole time uh and they do i think probably the most controversial and perhaps worst scene in a fast and furious movie the one where um they assassinate Elena in cold blood for no reason. Like that's that's not the Fast and Furious way. When people die, it's because they fly off a cliff with a car, not because they're shot in the head with a gun in front of their baby and a former lover. It just was in really bad taste for for, for a fun franchise like this. Mm. It's kind of fun, Jason Statham and The Rock hanging out. Like that scene where they're in prison. It's really stupid. Yeah, it's really stupid. And also, like, I I totally get hardcore fans being uncomfortable with, like, these guys kind of taking over the franchise. Mm-hmm. Because it does feel really different. And, like, it's, especially since Jason Statham killed Han. Yeah. Like, I'm not interested in forgiving that character. Which they did. I mean, this movie forgives him. Where is the franchise now? I mean, the last thing I remember hearing was that Tyrese Gibson was like, if we don't start shooting this immediately, I'm out. Because he needs more money. And Fast and Furious 9 would be a pretty sweet paycheck for him. Uh, But The Rock is like, I don't know, still promoting Jumanji or something. He's like slowing it down. Um, And supposedly there's going to even be a spinoff that's like just focused on The Rock. I don't know. We're in a bad place. It should have ended. This the seventh film should have been the last one. Like I was so excited going into the year because it's like all these bad titles finally lead to the fate of the furious, the good title we've been waiting for the franchise to have. And you know, everybody made those jokes. What are they going to do next? Fight underwater, and then bam, there's a submarine in this one. It was it was so exciting, uh, but ultimately disappointing. And you feel. It's crazy that you feel the absence of Paul Walker, like the first mildly, uh, uh, mildly pleased award winner, Paul Walker. But he wasn't the first, but he was the first unanimous <laughs> mildly pleased award winner. And uh, God, it hurts. It hurts to see it in this state. Yeah. 
The first Mildly Please Lifetime Achievement Award winner was Guy Pierce. <laughs> for some reason. Even more forgettable. <laughs> yep. A man of many talents. Just so, like... Yes, Sean? <laughs> no, I was... I wasn't 100% committed to if I was going to go to James McAvoy or M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> so people say, this is crazy, because we did a podcast maybe like three years ago, three, four years ago, that was saying like M. Night Shyamalan is done. I said there's like a 0% chance he's going to come back. He's back. He came back with The Visit, which was fine. It's basically like... <laughs> A darker episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> Which is becoming a movie. If you guys didn't hear about that. Fuck that. Um, uh, and now there's Split. And, you know, it's nice to see that he's working with, like, a lot less money. So that forces him to be more creative. He's more character-based situations. But he's he still... I still feel like he's really going for the gimmicks. Like, the whole movie's building up, oh, what's the final transformation going to be? And that's never really that interesting. And then, of course, the thing that everyone talks about is the twist, which isn't really a twist that this takes place in the same universe as Unbreakable, and now we're getting the Unbreakable slash Split sequel called Glass. And it's like, who gives a shit? It's, it's, I don't know. It's like, does he think people are like really into, like, oh, my universe is my characters? But I guess some people are. And it is weird how fast people turn it around to, like, oh, he's good again. But, like, I'm still super hesitant. I wasn't 100% sold on Split. It had some good moments. I like that he's a little more restrained now. But I'm very weary because the bad parts of Split are bad. The bad parts of The Visit are bad. He can write some really bad dialogue sometimes. <laughs> so, but he's such a good actor. Oh, yeah. I don't know oh, if he, Does he act in Split? I think he was in, briefly in a scene, yeah. I think he was like at a, at a zoo walking around, maybe. <laughs> he, I feel like he wasn't there, but I don't remember. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe I'm totally off on this one. He definitely wasn't in the visit. Hmm. Don't think so. Because he's like, this is my comeback. I need to stay as far away from Did the visit just have the kids and the old people? Yeah, and Catherine Hahn. That's irresponsible mom. (laughs) (laughs) I like the visit okay. Um, Split, though. We'll see. Maybe Glass is going to be fantastic. Bruce Willis. Um, who I'm sure will be nominated next year for his performance in Glass. <laughs> I don't think, actually, I don't know if it comes, I think it maybe comes out the year after. I don't know when it's coming out. Which is weird because I feel like it'd take like a month to shoot. Um, unless he's like, just won't get out of his trailer. Which I hear is he, he, he's like sometimes. But more on that later. Let's talk about Roman J. Israel Esquire. What a fucking mouthful. Sean, what was this movie like? It wanted to be a couple different kind of movies, and it never made up its mind. Um, the character Roman J. Israel Esquire is, at the introduction, um, it sounds like he's never actually like tried a case in court. He's always been like the silent partner mm-hmm. uh, be- behind this other lawyer who dies at the beginning of the movie, or he like, goes into a coma at the beginning of the movie. Um, and so... At the beginning, it's like, well, here's this guy who's like a legal genius, but he doesn't have the temperament to try cases in court. So it'll be like it'll be like that style. Like he'll he'll be like having to get over his personality ticks, uh, or or maybe the system will adapt to him. But then it kind of changes because they introduce the Colin Farrell character, who like totally for no reason like totally believes in Roman J. Israel Esquire. He's like. You, clearly you're the guy I want you working for me I can't let you be a free agent out there you're too good I'm going to make you rich I'm going to make you successful 
and he's like resistant and and like it turns into like a maybe we shouldn't be on Roman's side like he's like he's just too troubled and he's just gonna bring down everyone around him like he starts participating in this like civil rights activist group and he like just doesn't fit in like there's a scene in the trailer where he's like how come there are two sisters standing up and, and there's brothers sitting and I was like, nobody talks like that anymore. That you're being sexist, and, and he's like, well, I'm also being polite. And they're like, and now you're being rude. And he's like, no, I'm being polite. And then, then he just storms out of this civil rights meeting. It's 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 bizarre because I really, by the end of it, I'm not rooting for Roman. <laughs> like that was my take. Is like, this guy's just this quirky mess. Um, and I don't think it's a very good performance by Denzel, which is weird because the movie really hinges on having a great performance in the lead and instead Denzel was just like I'm gonna hunch and have a bizarre wig and wear pants that make my ass look gigantic and that'll be enough <laughs> oh man that sounds great it's such a downer because Denzel does so many movies where I'm a guy with a gun so it's like so refreshing to see him do movies where he's some other guy or a new kind of character and then to see it kind of not work is a total downer yeah and it's it's um it's from the uh uh, Nightcrawler, the Nightcrawler, guy. Dan Gilroy. Dan Gilroy. I knew it was a Gilroy. I can't think of His sophomore effort as um, a director. And and you know, Nightcrawler was such a great um, takedown of TV news that I, you know I kind of was hoping this would be a similar dissection of the way that the legal system works. And it's just not. It's much more of a character study, but a flawed one. I heard they're like really trying to rush like re-editing it like right before it came out because Daniel huh. was like, "Oh my gosh, this actually isn't that good." I got this. <laughs> well, at least he like knows, you know. Yeah. Seems like they just they just had too many ideas at play. Didn't know what yeah. it wanted to be. Didn't know what it wanted to be. <laughs> I like it, guys. What's wrong with it? You're, we're not saying there's anything wrong with it. There's it's some. Just... There's something. I, I think the biggest thing is it's just not that scary, which is fine, I guess. But yeah, it was like I was much more enjoying this like teenage like coming together of friends <laughs> and like it. early romance, and then gets interrupted by a stupid clown. Yeah, they seem more like diversions from like <laughs> it's a fun group of kids hanging out. Yeah, I, I guess that's fair. It, it, I don't know if it ever is really scary especially when a lot of the scares are like kind of lined up like in a row at the beginning because like every kid has like to meet way too it. many scares at the front and every kid <laughs> basically with the exception of like richie tozer meets like pennywise in some shape or form yeah um but like it, maybe it wasn't scary i definitely thought it was like creepy and like i appreciated like the the set pieces themselves and the effects and i actually did think that flute woman was kind of creepy yeah, that was nice, and that was a new. That was something new that wasn't in the book. Um, I think I was just so invested in it because I I read the book. It took me like almost a year to listen on audiobook, listening to Stephen Weber read it to me every night. And that book <laughs> is an interesting book because like there's parts of that book that are just like so fleshed out and interesting and just full of so much life. And then there's the other parts that feel like they're written by like a sex crazed cocaine addled like pervert who's just insane. <laughs> and they did a pretty good job of kind of tiptoeing around that stuff, you know, and avoiding stuff like space turtles and other dimensions and children orgies. <laughs> so they did a pretty good job of taking what probably, 
you can't really turn it into a movie into a movie. So mm-hmm. I definitely I think it's super valiant effort, and I'm very excited to see where Andy Muschietti continues to take this and if he's going to do other Stephen King stuff. I know he's really interested in Pet Cemetery. I think he does a it's very faithful to the spirit of the book and um, I just had a good time. I think of it more as like a summer blockbuster than a horror movie. It's like mm-hmm. it's like Goonies. <laughs> Goonies is pretty scary now. <laughs> yeah, well, at the time I almost wondered if it was a deliberate effort by the filmmakers um, because like the, the plot for these kids is they have to not be afraid of it. And I almost felt like the movie was trying to like make me not afraid of it too. <laughs> by like keep showing it to me and he keeps getting more ridiculous and he keeps starting you start asking questions like, Hey, like why doesn't he just kill these kids? Maybe he can't do it. Maybe we shouldn't be afraid of him after all. And that's a problem that just goes back to the book. Like Pennywise makes no sense. Like if you want to come in the most scared, why don't you kill him right away? How come some kids you kill them right away when you just corner them in a sewer, and other kids are like, "I'm just gonna keep like just kind of being creepy <laughs> and give them a chance." It makes no sense. So yeah, that is definitely a flaw. But I guess I'm probably willing, more willing to accept that because I was willing to accept it in the book. So maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm blinded by that. But had a good time. It's the most successful horror movie of all time, box office wise. That's pretty amazing. One of the most successful rated R movies. Of all time, always got to have the caveat though. That's not adjusting for inflation. No, no. Sure, There's... The Exorcist is way huger. Maybe something else. What would be the? Oh, uh, well, Six Sense. It's a big hit. Um, I'm gonna figure that out. I don't know if I'm gonna figure it out on this podcast, but <laughs> we got time. Right now, we just got to hear Sean talk about Justice League. Go ahead, Sean. Do you have any questions about Justice John, League? So... Um, I don't think so who is the villain in it steppenwolf the band <laughs> born to be because i don't think that's fair to steppenwolf um well what they they've stuck around what they're doing with is they're introducing um oh, what's this? the jack kirby new gods universe into dc's extended universe um so that they can eventually build up to, I presume at least, Darkseid, who's kind of the Thanos equivalent. Uh, I mean, Thanos is really the Darkseid equivalent for Marvel. Like Everybody he, loves Darkseid Thanos came first. so much. He's such yeah. a great character, does so many things. <laughs> yeah, we're all big fans of Thanos. You know, they just revealed that Thanos isn't his real name. I don't give a fucking shit. That's, you want to get some inside baseballs? Like the the latest Marvel comics are revealing that Thanos' real name is Dion. Dion Thanos. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry for that spoiler, comic book fans. Um, Steppenwolf is just this dude who wants to get this shit on Earth so he can kill everybody. Like you know the deal. You know the deal. He's gonna get a bunch of things, and it's gonna make it so all the things that are alive on Earth aren't alive anymore. Oh man, how's uh, Aquaman? He's exactly what he seems like in the trailer. He's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do this. Macho Man Randy Savage. Does he he have any lines that are more than two words long? There's there's one like clearly Joss Whedon scene Mm -hmm. where they're like they're going off to battle Steppenwolf, um, and Aquaman starts giving this monologue about how it's hopeless. But then it like shifts and he starts talking about how like how he's like he has so much to live for and he's scared and he doesn't want to die and the camera pulls back and I realize 
that he's been like lassoed by Wonder Woman and he started talking with the lasso of truth on him and like that's pretty funny mm-hmm. he uh, realizes their moms are both named Martha yeah like I guess you get you, get, you give Justice League some credit because it is coming back from Batman v Superman but it's also it's very much a movie that makes no one happy because there are the people that liked Batman v Superman and so for them the tonal shift back into like comedy and lighter fare and no stakes um is very upsetting um but for people like me like the fact that they're still stuck with the continuity from batman v superman like made it a very unpleasant film because they had to address why like how superman comes back from the dead uh because he died for no reason in dawn of justice uh and it's dumb and it's and like Ben Affleck's clearly done playing Batman. <laughs> Is he like making eye contact with the camera, speaking his <laughs> lines as flatly as possible? It's very Jim from the Office. He just says this stupid line, <laughs> stares at the camera. Um, but he, but Batman is essentially the main character, and they like I think even the popularity of Wonder Woman led to like this introdu- this introduction of this plot where. Batman's like, why am I the leader? Why isn't Wonder Woman the leader? <laughs> and uh, that's like kind of like, okay, maybe, maybe if this keeps going, they'll still have Gal Gadot. But it's you're not excited to see what the other characters are up to. Cyborg, Flash Kid. You know his name's Flash. <laughs> But he's a kid. But he's not. And you're and you're right to call Flash Kid because, of course, Kid Flash is a totally different character. (laughs) Duh. That's why I said it. Um, Cyborg's fine, I think. Kid Flash is fine. Mm -hmm. Neither are great. Like, there's a scene where Wonder Woman's gonna get hit by a thing, and Flash like pushes her out of the way, and then like. That he's in, you know, he's in fast forward doing that when he pushes her out of the way. But then when they stopped, like she's lying on the ground and like he's on top of her and he's like touching her breasts and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> fucking hilarious. Awkward. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so John, if you found out what the highest grossing horror film of all time is adjusted for inflation, it is The Sixth Sense, six hundred and seventy-two okay. million. Uh, it is in second. It's uh, behind by just under uh, twenty million. Wow, pretty close. Pretty close. Good for it. Let's see what happens with it. Part two, chapter two, volume two. It hits the fan. <laughs> that's all. Of that's the official title. Yeah. Okay. So, is it split or it? <laughs> <laughs> Can't spell split without it. It's funny because Split is directed by the Shyamalan, who directed The Sixth Sense, and he's like, "Get the fuck away from my record." Bitch. <laughs> what if M. Night Shyamalan was the scary guy and instead of Pennywise? That'd be pretty scary, right? <laughs> uh, when I look at these, I'm like Fate of the Furious. Oh, yeah, God. Definitely. We saw it together. We had high hopes. And it didn't like completely devastate us in its disappointingness, but like, yeah, I've mostly forgot about it, even though. Kind of loved Furious Seven. Okay, if you guys are good with that. All right. And so ends another mildly pleased awards. 
Will we gather again next year to do this once more? I hope so, because that that means things are a little better than they are now. Because now now things were so bad, we were like, should we even do this? So we might be doing it from the hollowed remnants of the Rock and Roll Museum, Sean. We don't know, <laughs> you know, what the future may bring. All I know is there's two stupid rich kids who got some big buttons. We gotta watch the fuck out. And that's a very January second, twenty eighteen reference for future, future, future generations. <laughs> actually pronounced future <laughs> in the future. Uh, well, you know, some people pronounce mature, mature, mature. so maybe. Um, we've got a year to figure that out, and we'll be back. You can find us at mildlyplease.com, and you can find more of the podcasts we do on iTunes. If you just search for those words, mildly pleased. Thank you for listening, and stay safe out there. 